What's up, everybody? It's your boy Antoine TV2, the host of Organized Mess, and I am back with a brand new episode for y'all today. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. Hope everybody's having a great work week. Hope everybody's just enjoying themselves and just living life. You feel me? Like each and every week, I got a banger of topics to talk about on my podcast. I love what I do. I love the content that I put out for y'all. And I always thank each and every day and each and every week for y'all vibe with me, for y'all just chilling, hearing what I got to say, my opinions, my predictions, everything that I talk about. And from the bottom of my heart, I love each and every one of y'all, like y'all family to me. And it's 2023. We all going to grind to the top, and we never, ever going to stop. You feel me? But like each and every episode, you already know how it goes. Grab your popcorn, grab your drinks, go grab somewhere comfortable to sit, and let's get right into today's episode. So, if you not haven't paid attention closely to Judgment Day, you already know that they're coming into kind of a little bit of a downfall. Just, just a tiny bit. Not a lot, but a tiny bit. And part of that being is J.D. McDonough. And if you don't know who J.D. McDonough is, Obviously, if you know him from the independent scene back in New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, some people might know him, some people might don't. People just know him from WWE alone. People know him from beyond from WWE, way before his entrance into the WWE. And obviously, we all know that J.D. McDonough and Finn Balor are close friends, and plus they have a lot of history together going back into New Japan Pro Wrestling. And... In my mind, I, I was like, is is J.D. McDonough going to eventually join the Judgment Day or replace Damon Priest of the Judgment Day? Because recently, J.D. McDonough has been getting into stuff that is just Judgment Day business. Like the whole thing with Finn and Damien. And if you remember what happened last week, on uh, what happened on Monday Night Raw when J.D. butted, butted in, um, in the you know, Judgment Day business saying that you know, their whole, you know, their whole kind of argument, their whole kind of like, basically their friendship is, is on question because of the, you know, of the money of the bank briefcase that Damon Priest is currently holding. And they're saying like, bro, you should just get rid of it because it's causing a lot of problems between you two. And then Damien was like, what did this motherfucker say? And then if you see Finn be like, I'm okay with that. And he basically slowly agreed with JD without even talking to fucking either Rhea, Dom, or or Damian Priest. So it's like, I'm like, is this man either joining or is he asserting himself to replace Damian? And if you think about what happened last night on Monday Night Raw, coming out when Finn Balor was not in the ring, being Finn Balor's messenger... Basically, basically, if if you did not watch Monday Night Raw, if you did not see that current segment in Monday Night Raw, the beginning of Monday Night Raw, JD basically come out, interrupted, interrupted, uh, quote unquote, you know, Judgment Day's promo saying that you don't need to worry about, you know, you don't need to worry about anything else about what happened, what happens between you and your friendship. You all need to worry about Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes. And... Basically, you know, JD's kind of slowly inserting himself into or wedging himself in between the Judgment Day, and be, be basically being part of the Judgment Day. And you, and obviously, 
I mean, Dom, Dom, like in a way, Dom doesn't really seem worried about. It. He's like, if he's in there, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, I wouldn't go fuck. But like, it's it's not really Dom that has a problem with. It. It's more like Rhea and and you know, uh, Rhea and and Damien because Rhea is not really too sure about JD joining the Judgment Day at all. And then Damien has a big, you know, he just doesn't want JD to be in it, period. Like, bro, this the, he basically said, bro, this, this shit does not concern you. Like, he literally told him before he was completely at the ring when his music hit, he was like, bro, JD, this, this, this shit doesn't concern you. So whatever you say out your mouth, if you better be careful and watch what you say. So we already know off the bat that Damien doesn't like JD at all. Like, he hates this dude. And obviously with JD inserting himself into just Judgment Day business is kind of... I don't want to say it's kind of... It's more It's more like changing the aspect of where, you know, the loyalty stands in the Judgment Day. Because obviously, we all know Ripley is down to earth about the Judgment Day. She loves it. Dominic Mysterio, the biggest seal in the company right now, Slash they hated the most hated person in the judgment day right now because the fans they don't like him, they don't they boo him, they they you know, all that type of shit. And then obviously between Finn Balor and Damian Priest is the most liked people in the judgment day. So we already know like where you know where like the you know the respect lies between you know everybody in the judgment day. Especially what, what what's happening with JD, and plus, if you don't know the whole thing, like I said, with JD and Finn, Finn and J, like I said, Finn and JD goes all the way back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and obviously, with them, with uh, JD and with uh, and Finn Balor, obviously they did some. Sh- I think they had some time with with each other. But like after, like I mean, a little bit after that, they seen each other uh, a little bit in NXT UK. If you don't remember when NXT UK was a thing, and um, obviously they had uh, in that time in NXT UK, his name was Jordan Devlin, and obviously Finn Balor was wrestling Jordan Devlin. Jordan Devlin at that time, and we all know that match was really fucking good, especially with the quality of NXT UK and their hype with matches and everything. Um, but they, obviously they, they share the same Irish heritage and of their two individual of their names. And obviously they're both Irish or or origins. They're originally from there. And obviously the whole, like I said, the whole controversy between Finn and JD is getting to Damien. Cause we're like, like, I mean, I don't really, I don't really care. If JD comes into the judgment line, like joins the judge, like sorry, what's the judgment line? Uh, joins the judgment day because one, um, the judgment day will be much more stronger than ever if JD joins. And on top of that, think about it. Imagine if JD just does join the judgment day, like you already have, you know, Rhea Ripley as women's world champion. You have Dominic Mysterio as NXT North American champion. You can have Finn Balor as world heavyweight champion. And then you can have um you can have Damon like Damon Priest and JD as you know as tag team champions, as undisputed tag team champions. Or 
And I mean, or you can you obviously Rhea Ripley still keeps the women's world championship. You can have um you can have Dominic Mysterio as IC champion, and then you can have Damian Priest as world heavyweight champion, and then JD and Finn Balor as undisputed tag team uh, champions. Either way, that team is stacked, and technically they have all the gold on the Raw, you know, roster, including a little bit of NXT gold. Like, do, do you not see what I'm talking about, bro? Because at one point, Bloodline had all the gold. Obviously, we already know where the Bloodline is right now. I'm going to talk about that later down the line in this episode. And you already know where Judgment Day is right now. You know, on top of the world, obviously, they have, they have half the gold. Half of them, half the people still not have gold yet. But either way, they are a dominant faction with or without gold. You can see that. And with with my opinion, I feel like that some point in some time that the Judgment Day will eventually break up. They will. It, it, the, the days are counting. The days are, I want to say almost here. But they are soon to come because we all know we all know the heat that's coming from between Finn and Damien. You know, the last two times, if you remember what happened at Money in the Bank, where Damien caused Finn Balor to lose that match for Seth Rollins to retain. If you also remember what happened at SummerSlam, where 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 uh, obviously Damien was trying to help Finn again. And obviously, Seth used that to to the briefcase to the vanish and put a stomp onto Finn Balor onto Damian brief, briefcase and helping him secure and retain his world heavyweight championship. So, just off of them two times alone, we could definitely tell and we could definitely know that we could definitely know that there's gonna be. A huge, huge fallout between between Finn and Damien some point in time. Maybe sometime later on this year. Maybe sometime on like later on next year when it reaches 2024. We don't know yet. But I honestly feel that JD should should join the Judgment Day for the better because this will elevate JD's career. We already know his career as an uh, NXT. Yes, he wasn't really NXT U, uh, NXT UK champion, even though I really wanted him to be at one point in time. Um, and obviously, JD didn't win no gold when it hit regular when it hit you know gold and white era of uh, NXT either. We've seen him in some fire. Uh, we've seen him in some fire uh, matches like the if you remember the North American Championship Open Challenge at Stand the Liver. You remember that? Remember how? Fire that matches when Wesley was North American champion. It was JD in there, Dragonoff. It was Axiom, and I think there was like one more person in there. I don't remember who was in there, but um, I know that that match was fire. If you remember, if you watched them deliver when it was WrestleMania weekend, that match was Golden Chef's Kiss, man. Chef's Kiss. And I also remember he was in um, a pay-per-view uh, last year as well, too. 
I, I think it was NXT Deadline, I think it was, um, and back in December, and it was whoever won that match, whoever basically got the most falls during that match between four to five people, you know, you get a uh, NXT Championship opportunity, even though it was not JD, because JD tried his best. He still had zero. This dude got his ass whooped so much goddamn times, man. I mean, so many times. It's, it's insane. It's it's funny as hell, but it was insane. But those like that, you can see JD McDonough's, like, accomplishments. You can see how hard the man puts in. You see how hard this man works. Even though him never getting a title, like, not getting tag team goal with somebody or North American Championship gold, or even NXT Championship gold, which sucks. Which I wish they, you know, they could do something about that in NXT or at NXT UK, but they didn't, which, like I said, pretty trash. So, I've, I've, I honestly feel that if you add JD to Judgment Day, it will elevate not only himself, the group, but also make... Judgment Day a lot stronger than they already are because you already know Judgment Day, especially with Rhea Ripley as you know the main person or one of the main people besides Dominic helping out and making sure that they secure wins and become the most dominant faction on Raw, and and I love that about the Judgment Day. The Judgment Day was a team that destined to fall to become the team that no one expected to succeed the way they did, especially right now with. Damien Priest as Mr. Money in the Bank, a.k.a. Senior Money in the Bank. Uh, Rhea Ripley as SmackDown Women's Champion slash the now and the current Women's World Champion. And Dominic Mysterio, the most hated heel in the entire WWE company from Raw to SmackDown to NXT. And also the current North American Champion. Man, oh man, NXT, like I said, NXT slash Raw is getting, it's fire in my opinion, because the way they've been booking Judgment Day, the way that they, they have been succeeding in their matches, the way they're, they've claimed dominance in, like, on the roster for both male and female. It's insane, and I love each and every of the Judgment Day. Like I said, me personally, I would definitely want JD to become part of the Judgment Day full-time, like, because I, I would say that they need it, but it would sort some dominance that, hey, no matter who people do, no matter what, like, who we bring into the Judgment Day, we're going to be the most dominant faction on Raw, and we're going to run the entire, you know, we're going to run the entire WWE from the ground up because we we like that. We are we are them, and we always can, we always can continue to be them because... We are the Judgment Day, and we don't give a fuck. Simple. Simple. Like, that's that's how I feel like it, it's going to happen. But if it doesn't happen, you know, it you know it's going to spark some more controversy between, you know, Finn and Damon. But time time will tell. Time will definitely tell when um when the time comes, though. Next one I want to talk about on the list. And this is coming from me hating one of the, this is coming from the most hated titles. You know, me talking about the most hated titles right now in the WWE from the, from the women's side of things, the women's tag team championships. And my question to talk about today, are the WWE women tag team titles actually cursed? 
And you don't remember, what, like, why I said to actually curse. Chelsea Green said at one point, maybe a couple days ago, that since her partner, Sonya Deville, has, can't, like, uh, basically tore her ACL while having those tag team titles, it questions, the question comes into play if the tag team titles are cursed. And I won't really say they're cursed. It's more, you know, I, okay. I will definitely say they're cursed, but at the same time, I will definitely say they are cursed. It's like a 50-50 thing to me. Because any person that, any women, or any, you know, team, like, you know, that any woman that holds the women tag team titles, you know, they, they, they're expected to either have a bad reign or they're going to get injured, one of the two. And the only people that had a good reign in, in that, you know, since the women tag team titles has been a thing was the Boston, he- the, like the Boston Hooks connection, a.k.a. Bailey and Sasha Banks, maybe outside and maybe the Iconics and a little bit of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross at that point. And I definitely feel like in a way they're not more cursed. It's more like bad booking when it comes to those titles because I mean, yes, they're at like they're at, they were at a point in time that they wanted to elevate the women's division because the um, the women's division was still slacking at that time despite how much goddamn women from the from like say the Devious Championship till you know, the maybe 2016 to 2019 of Raw and SmackDown. Like, it, it, it is jumped from then. It, it, it's it not, not necessarily now, because it's got worse now since Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville is currently holding it. But we're talking about 2016 for 2019, man. Women's division around that time was stacked as hell. Was stacked as hell. And obviously... WWE, as when, when when Vince was in charge of everything, including creative, they had no idea what the fuck to do with the women's division because you couldn't have them. You could like you basically had them jumping from NXT to SmackDown to Raw, and you know going into the title scenes for the women's title scenes of each picture. And around that time, around 2019, they said, "Yo, we gotta, we need a new titles." So that's when the women women tag team titles became a thing. And obviously, we already know that. Um, if you look at if you look at the timeline of whoever uh, won the women's tag team titles or became the whoever became the first women tag team champions, we already know it, if you remember it was the elimination chamber of 2019. There was like six teams trying to uh, become women women tag team champions. I remember it was Bailey. If I remember, it was Fire and Desire, aka Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, when Paige, aka Sahara or Soraya, was uh, coaching them or becoming their man or was their manager at that time, Boston Hugs Connection, Bailey and Sasha. Um, I think we had uh, Nia Jackson, Tamina, and we had maybe three other teams. I don't remember. Sa- I think it's Shayna Baszler and someone else. Like I said, it was like crazy. It was like six teams. So I don't remember who everybody that was in this uh, title, this uh, women tag team title match. But it was a lot of goddamn people. I mean, a lot of people. And I know that the Boston Hugs connection became the first women to get the uh, get the women tag team titles, and they held the titles for forty nine days. And then after that, 
at um at WrestleMania 2019, the Iconics, aka Billy uh Billy K and Peyton Royce became the your new uh women's tag team champions at sitting at 120 days. Then it was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross sitting at 62. The Kabuki Warriors when uh Kara Zane was still in uh, at, uh WWE at the time with Asuka. They held the title for 100, uh, 181 days, which is technically the longest reigning women's tag team champions of all time because everybody else was less than them, and I mean drastically less than them. And then after that, it was um, after the Kabuki Warriors, it was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross again becoming um, women tag team champions just at sitting at 62 days. Then around, um, then basically around the pandemic era, it was Sasha Banks and, um, Bailey again, and they held them titles for 86 days. Then Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler held the titles at 112 days. Then Oscar and Charlotte Flair won the titles and in back in TLC at 2020 for 42 days. Then Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler again won the titles around the Royal Rumble of 2021 um, in the Thunderdome for sitting at 103 days. Then Natalia and Tamina won the uh, won them on like a on SmackDown sitting at 129. Then Nikki Cross, aka changed her name to almost a superhero, dumbest name of all time, um, with Rhea Ripley. Like sitting at sixty three days, then Carmel, then uh Queen Zelina and Carmela sitting at one hundred thirty two days, and then Naomi and Sasha Banks, you know, winning at WrestleMania thirty eight in Dallas, Texas, sitting at forty seven days. So after Naomi and Sasha became um became women's tag team titles. Oh, sorry, be- became sorry uh, and. Ex- when I say NXT, women's tag team champions, that's when the downfall came. And obviously, if you remember what happened around that time, around eight, a little a little after WrestleMania, they weren't treated properly. Both both Naomi and Sasha Banks was um, going against each other in a fatal four-way to become, who can become, I think it was a SmackDown Women's Champion. I think it was. I don't remember at that time. And then that's when the women's tag team titles met its demise. I mean, it met its demise a long time ago, but this is where it got worse for them because they had the vacate after they walked out of the uh, out of Raw, and you, you you remember how that is. I don't need to need to explain myself if y'all even remember that. And then after that, once they got once they were vacated for pretty much a minute, they were vacated for a good four to five months. And then they were picked up again back in August 29th uh, of August 29th um, on an episode of of Raw in a in a tournament for the titles. And uh, only Raquel and Aaliyah had them for 14 days. Then Damage Control held them for 49 days. And then Alexa Bliss and Asuka only held them for five days, which was dumb as hell just to drop them back at just to drop them back to damage control at Crown Jewel for 114 days, and then Becky Lynch and Lita for 42 days, 
And then again, and then right after that, like legit right after that, I think um, damage, one of the people of damage control got an injury. I, I won't say injury, but um, I know that Lita and between Lita and Becky, Lita had an injury because obviously Trish uh, basically, you know, injured Lita at that time and she got injured. And then after that, Raquel and then Liv Morgan got injured. So they had to vacate them again, and then run, and then Raquel got um, Raquel got injured completely and a little bit um, later on after uh, Shayna Ronham got got him, and yeah, it was just injury after injury after injury, and now currently uh, Sonya Deville is injured. And now it's just Chelsea Green holds the titles, and now it's Piper Niven and um and Chelsea Green. But overall, like I said, it's it's just chaos. It's the way they've been they've been booking them, and like and ever since the whole Sasha Banks and Naomi incident that happened, then after a little after uh a little after WrestleMania 38, it's just never been booked well at all. And obviously, Booker T was commenting about. What's been happening with the, the women division and the um and the women's tag team titles? Booker T said it himself that the titles are not AKA curse. It's just the way things have been done. He said, "I think safety is not the first thing that a lot of these time uh a lot of times these young uh, guys and ladies think about these matches. They think about going out there. They think about entertaining in the highest level and throw all caution out the wind uh out the window a lot of times." And that's a problem because we're seeing a lot of injuries, you know, with talent. And I don't know to know, throw them under the bus or anything like that because I know how hard they're working. I know they're just going out there. They're just busting their butt on a weekly basis. Basically, they're saying, like, the new talent doesn't really care about all, you know, the safety aspect of things. They're just coming. They just care about going out and giving, you know, the fans what they want and entertain the fans, which is cool, which, we, you know, we love, you know, People entertain the you know crowd because sometimes the crowd need it, and he's just you know he's just saying the whole thing about you know Chelsea Green and her holding the titles now and basically her getting her recognition her recognition and with uh, Sonya Deville finally get some gold around her waist. Um, I understand what Booker T is coming from from reading like you know everything. Um, for what he said about how they're booking them from the way that, you know, the people are wrestling with them and obviously they're going to, you know, entertain the crowds and, you know, give something like give like the crowd the highest, you know, the highest um, volume possible to entertain them and make sure they're happy, leaving the uh, arena happy, which is understand, understandable, but at the same time, Nothing can justify about what's been happening after Sasha and Naomi walked out of the company and said they're not coming back. So all I can get from this is that no, they're like the women tag team titles are not cursed. But in my opinion, I feel that they need to take away the women's tag team titles because one, there is not enough people on both Raw, SmackDown, and NXT on the women's division to call themselves. A woman's division. I mean, if you want to put, you know, combine all, you know, women, like all rosters from NXT, Raw, and SmackDown to make the tag team title, like, um, to make the tag team title, uh, 
you know, I won't say group, but y'all know what I'm talking about. But to make that type of fa- um, roster for the, for the women, yes, you can do that. But they still don't have, at the same time, they still don't have enough women to divide up for just the single titles for the uh, the women's titles alone from all three rosters to the women's tag for the to the women's tag team titles alone just for all three rosters rosters it doesn't make sense. So in my opinion, what they need to do vacate the women's tag team titles till till further notice and rebuild the women's division off of just off of the women's side of things for the tag team titles because for the for the just the NXT. Women's World Championship and the Women's Championship, they got that unlocked. That's not a problem. The Women's Tag Team champ titles, though, like the Women's like Tag Team Division on the line, or just in general, just, you know, that aspect of things, work on it. Try to find women women tag teams from, from doesn't matter, from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, from parts of Independency, GCW, to involve, like, just go around and see what you can do from that aspect from that aspect of things. But until then, you should just take away the tag team, um, the women's tag team division and just work on that alone. And then when the time comes, then you can, you know, put the women's tag team titles back on the line and actually have them defend them and actually have great matches and women to defend them and at all, like all the time and be workhorses. But for right now, it's just not working, man. It's just not working for the women. It's it's a lose lose situation for them, so um, like I said, to answer the question, they're not cursed. It's just bad booking, simple. All right, but the next thing I want to talk about is what what happened last week on Friday Night SmackDown, man. And if you did not know, if you did not watch Friday Night SmackDown, obviously it was Santos Escobar supposed to be Santos Escobar versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship, right? And right when Santos Escobar came out, obviously Theory injured him. Theory completely went after his goddamn knee, his back of his leg, and injured him. And then he literally said, bro, you know what? Can't, like, get a ref in here and make me immediately champion. And then I, Adam Pierce was like, bro, we ain't going to do that, Theory. So they literally had Rey Mysterio defend. Sorry. They had literally Rey Mysterio wrestle Austin Theory for the United States Championship. And you already know what happened in the quick match, but also a very entertaining one. Austin Theory is no longer United States champion, man. And I am happy as hell to hear about this, bro. No longer United States champion. I am happy as a motherfucker, bro. This nigga's first reign was 75 days. 75 days going after the same goddamn nigga for who knows how fucking long. Bobby Lashley, right? And then after that, obviously it was it was basically getting swapped between Bobby and Theory, and then Seth Rollins got into the mix, and then blah 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 blah, and then it was just it was just between Bobby, Seth, and Austin Theory. And then after a while, Austin Theory dethroned Seth Rollins, and he be had the title again for two hundred and seventy sorry for two hundred and fifty seven days from last year's Survivor Series War Games match. And it was 257 days of pure bullshit, bro. That rain was shit as hell. Nothing involved this nigga at all. I will, I will say congratulations for Rey Mysterio to dethroning 
Austin Theory to become the new United States champion, which also I will talk about that in a little bit. But main thing I'm going to talk about right now is basically Austin Theory's bullshit-ass rank. That, that's garbage, bro. Obviously garbage. And obviously, if you combine his 75 days with 257, 332 days of complete bullshit, bro. Bullshit. Shit's garbage as a motherfucker, bro. Oh, God. Like, shit was so goddamn terrible, man. Terrible as hell. I never liked it. Never liked his reign, man. Not... I never liked him when he became United States champion the first time around. That was stale, bro. He had some terrible matches his first reign, bro. Second reign, it was nothing better. She was also more garbage than before. He was a, I remember, I mean, obviously the difference between that first reign and his second reign before losing to Rey Mysterio last week, last week Friday. First reign, he had a gimmick where he could take, he could take selfies. Basically, part of social media influ like uh, basically a little bit of a social media influencer gimmick, right? And then fast forward to his 257 reign, 257 day reign, where right? he was just a generic heel doing generic heel things, was boring, terrible on the mic, and was just not. He just was. He was just not good. And and we all thought, and people thought that oh, he was gonna get better when it was like his John Cena versus. Uh, when it was him versus John Cena for the uh United States Championship, that didn't do nothing to elevate his career, and that that just made his career more worse. Because obviously, John Cena predicted John Cena predicted this. He said, "Bro, if you beat me, whether you beat whether you beat me or you lose to me, either way, you're gonna be worse than more. That like, you're gonna be worse, bro. Oh God! And what happened? Dude got worse." Dude got worse. He got worse on the mic. He got worse in the ring. Everything about his everything about his persona, his character in the WWE screams BS bullshit, bro. We cannot take this nigga seriously for nothing, man. Nothing. And I'm glad that he's not. He, I'm glad he's not United States champion. You know why? Because we don't have to sit through a boring ass ring, bro, for the next what, what, hundred something days before he drops the title again. Nah, bro, I was tired of that. I was honestly tired of that rain. That rain was just got garbage, bro. Every time, every time this man turned up on screen, bro, I was just either paying attention to my phone or I'd be on my computer doing some other shit or looking at sneakers or talking to my friends, bro. I didn't give two fucks about looking at Theory, bro. Theory is just a boring guy to me. Boring as hell. Nothing about Theory screams, bro. You a gray ass heel. Like, he just do generic shit. Basically, he gets thrown outside the ring every time when it's his matches, when it's, especially when it's a triple threat match. He gets thrown outside the ring, and he let, he lets other two he lets other two people do the work for him. And then right when it's about to be the end of the match, he slides in, throws out the opponent, and then pins him, and then he retains. Like, bro, like that's that's some utterly bullshit, bro. Some shit that looks so goddamn boring, man. And I'm so glad that Austin Theory is no longer United States Champion, man. I know he's going to do everything in his power to get back to the United States Championship, but we all know that's just not going to happen, bro. This dude's just boring as hell. He's boring as hell and just give nothing to... He doesn't He doesn't offer anything. He doesn't give anything to the fans to be like, yeah, this dude's different than all the other heroes we can see, bro. But, but, but like, bro, there's nothing like that, bro. He just... He got. He gets buried on promos. He's terrible. Like I said, he's terrible on the mic. In-ring, he can do some justice in, in, in like, in-ring, but... 
He's just garbage overall, bro. Dude is just not him. He's just terrible as a fucking heel. At like, what WWE needs to do is literally take him off. You know, have him leave. Have him have a had like have Austin Theory have a hiatus for a couple months, and you work on him to become a better gimmick. Try to give him some funny back, like he would in the way. You could do some serious, like he is now. But do the mixture of the both, and then. Maybe then we could take this man seriously, but till till then, like, bruh, take this man off of TV. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Austin Theory this this Friday, like this Friday night on SmackDown on Fox. I don't want to see that shit, bruh. If he is, I will. I'll be interested in what the fuck he has to say. Even though he's not United States Champion no more, even though I really don't want to see this man, but you know, we we definitely just got to see with Austin Theory though. But now with Rey Mysterio dethroning. Austin, like Austin Theory for United States Champion or for United States Championship, we are going to see a little bit of the climb in the uh, in LWO now because that was supposed to be Santos Escobar's spot, and then since Escobar was obviously injured, going on like going to the ring, and obviously Rey Mysterio didn't like he he was like, "Bro, you okay to wrestle?" He's like, "Bro, I'm okay. I'm okay to wrestle." and we all know that, you know, we all know that Ray Mysterio was going to fucking <laughs> be in the match. Like, technically, they should have just put Audible. Like, if they, if you wanted Ray Mysterio to be in the match, still, even though he had a quote-unquote work injury, bruh, you could have just had, you could literally have fucking Ray Mysterio beat Santos Escobar in the Invitational Finals, right? And then face on, and then face Theory... And then still and still have Theory lose to Rey Mysterio. Either way, that would have made more sense instead of just having Rey Mysterio like go against Central Escobar in the Invitational Finals and then get injured in a work injury, and then just for him to just for him to wrestle you like Austin Theory at the end and beat him to become United States Champion. That does not make one lick of sense, bro. The writing on WWE sometimes is very questionable, man. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, oh, God. Like, why did they do what they did? I don't know. I really don't know. Like, it would have made a lot more sense for just Ray to be Santos Escobar in the Invitational. Or you have LA Knight that was supposed to win this shit. And WWE decide not to, you know, pull back the trigger. They should have had Ray Mysterio for LA Knight. LA Knight beats Ray Mysterio. LA Knight beats Santos Escobar. And then after that, you have LA Knight go on to beat Theory for the United States Championship. Simple. You could have you could have one of those three options. Or one of those two options. But you literally had to go the dumbest route just to see Ray Mysterio literally wrestle. Fury just like bro, that was not. Oh my god, the, the the timing and the stupidity on that is so goddamn dumb, man. All I know is that the downfall of the LWO is is at large. You feel me? It's at seriously at large because I mean, yes, Santos Escobar is happy that you know he could see like one of the legends right now getting one last title shot at like you know for WWE gold, which we're all happy to see because. Maybe after this United States Championship, we can never see Rey Mysterio hold WWE like gold in a long time or at all, I should say. And 
you know, this will probably be his last shot or his last, but not his last shot, but his, like, you know, his last title reign ever in the WWE as, you know, post to his uh, be, being uh, introduced in the Hall of Fame. So, I don't, like, sooner or later, I don't know if it can be WrestleMania. I don't know if it can be Payback. Payback is a little bit too early. I don't, it could probably be Fastlane or Crown Jewel or Survivor Series. And then if they want to pull an audible and wait to WrestleMania next year, they can do that. They can have Rey Mysterio hold um, the championship till next year, till uh, next year WrestleMania. And then you can either have them A, you can either have them A, like right, you have uh, you have Santo Escobar cause Rey Mysterio to lose United States Championship, and then you can set a feud between uh, Santos Escobar, Rey Mysterio, or you can have whoever's Rey Mysterio opponent is. You can have him. You can have Rey Mysterio retain, and then Santos Escobar looks like he was gonna come and hug him, and then he can hug him, and then he can like hit his famous finisher on him, and then bam, that's either either one of those two things. You can have you can have that happen, but. Until then, I, I don't know what WWE is going to do with Santos Escobar. Even though I don't know if he has a legit injury or it's just a work injury, because it looks like he hurt his ankle bad from the back. But at the same time, it's WWE, so we really don't know what happened. But um, I just know that LWO needs some type of spark. It it needs a spark, man, on God, because I wouldn't say LWO is boring, because the faction is not really boring. It's just that. I won't even say it's not even booked properly. It's maybe, it's maybe probably the way they've been handled because, I mean, the last time we've seen LWOs involved with something big, like big, big, was if we're talking about generation wise, like this generation wise, uh, rarely. Like Zelina Vega was, you know, a part of Backlash and in a fight with Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship, a.k.a. Women's World Championship. Um, we've seen Santo Escobar be part of the NXT, sorry, not the NXT, but the uh, Money in the Bank ladder match, which is all NXT stars. And Rey Mysterio, obviously, being part of the Invitational Finals for the United States Championship. So, yeah, there's not that, there's not much that they have been doing since the team fully has formed. I mean, besides Carlito being back with them at Backlash for a brief moment, but that was fire. But, yeah, there's nothing big, there's not majorly big going on with LWO at the moment. So, for them to spark up some feud or some fire, I feel like you you make, they're going to make the downfall of LWO. Even though the LWO has been around only for, what, a couple months now? The LWO has been a little bit around, maybe to like uh, a little bit before Backlash. Uh, it was like a little, it was like a little bit after WrestleMania, but it was like way before Backlash. So right in the middle before, like back, back, you know, they went to Backlash. So, and it's only been around. The LWO faction has only been around for a couple months. It's obviously it's not going to be as big. As bloodline faction, we all know that. But it's not going to be big as the Judgment Day faction. We all know that it's going. It's not going to be big. There's some NXT faction out there like Schism. Um, we all know that. But to see how 
LWO is handled is being handled right now, it's not looking good for the faction, man. Like we also we love Santos Escobar. We love you know the Hall of Famer Rey Mysterio. We love Zelina Vega. We love all of them. I just know that Santos Escobar is way better as a heel than he is a face. Let's be completely honest, bro. Because if we seen him back when he was uh, defiled, was it Defalzma? I think I'm going to say that wrong. I'm going to butcher this, but Defalzma though, and he was the most hated heel in NXT, or one of the most hated heels in NXT. And the only title that he did own at the time was the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. But that's it. That's the only title that I know from memory that I that I know that he held was the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. So, and we could we could also tell that Santos Escobar is great as a heel. It's there. It's, it's literally there. He's he's the he's great as a heel. Face he's good, but he's not as better as heel version him. Just telling the truth, man. But I all I know is that LWO demise is coming soon. We all know that they're gonna be breaking up from time um sometime soon. Maybe sometime last year. No, sorry, not last year. Maybe sometime next year if they plan on pushing it to next year. But uh, we definitely got a way to see. But I do love that. Like I said, I do love that. Um, LW owns favorite luchador of all time. Rey Mysterio is United States champion. And I don't know how long his reign is going to be. I know it's going to be like not even that long because they always, every time they have a Rey Mysterio reign, it, it never lasts a long time. It's always, it's always for some short ass time, which, which sucks, which sucks. I wish they can do a lot better with this reign, but it is what it is, man. But, well, we'll see uh, this coming Friday of what uh, LWO has to offer for this upcoming um, Fridays to come on SmackDown. Next topic I'm gonna talk, I want to talk about, and this is going to be an interesting one, not only for y'all, but for myself too. But I honestly feel like Matt Riddle should turn heel very soon. I feel like they need to make Matt Riddle heel. He, he should be heel. Because this man has been a face for since NXT, bro. I don't know if this man was had, had some heel shit going on in NXT because I didn't really watch NXT Black and Gold like that. So maybe hit like maybe 2019, a little bit of 2018 going into 2019. But all I know, all I know is that they definitely, definitely need to turn my boy Matt uh, Matt Riddle heel because ever like since his main like roster call up from NXT. It's just been straight. It's been a face from 2021, maybe, maybe like what 2020 or 2021 to like now going in 2023. So it has all been face. He has never, I've never seen him hit heel once. Including with, even with Randy Orton when they were RK bro, Matt Ritter was face that entire, you know, that entire friendship, that, you know, entire tag team. He was a face. Randy Orton was a heel. And Randy Orton went from a heel, from a heel to a face. So. Like there's there's a lot of stuff circulating around Matt Riddle because he's very interesting in the ring. Obviously, you see his charisma, you see how he wrestles, bro. Everything about him screams, yo, you he can be he has a lot of potential to be a heel. So I know there's a uh, something on Wrestling Republic, and there's an article about um why Matt Riddle uh Matt Riddle Hill turn will be very interesting. They said here. Matt Riddle is among the more popular superstars on the WWE roster today. 
Coming from fixed martial, uh, coming from mixed martial arts, Riddle is a great athlete. With translation to his work in the ring, his laid-back persona goes over well with the WWE universe, which has resulted in him being one of the better babyfaces on TV today. He has been a good guy throughout the time in NXT and WWE. Over the years, we have seen many great babyfaces succeeded with audiences once they transition to a heel. It will be interesting if Riddle had a run as a heel in the company. Riddle has enjoyed an uh, immense amount of success with WWE. As previously stated, Riddle strongly connects with the WWE fan base. The connection has led favorable booking as the 37-year-old had many opportunities to showcase his skills. His work inside the square circle has, a, has been outstanding, with his matches against Roderick Strong and Gunther coming in mind. The original bro was held, has held the United States Championship as a singles competitor and has won tag team titles alongside Randy Orton. It shows that Riddle can perform in both tag team and, sing, and single competitions. However, one accolade that he has indulged himself throughout his career is opportunity with the world title. Riddle, has, Riddle may not win a world title in his current character. It means he will have to switch things up to become the serious contender for a strap. And turning heel could be a perfect way to do it. A role change has helped superstars like Chris Jericho and Edge realize their potential and achieve the top belt in the company. It would be interesting to see Riddle could achieve something something familiar as a heel. It's hard to figure out the best time for Riddle to switch. The best way to do it is for Riddle to turn on a returning Orton as he would attract a lot of heat because people are excited to see Orton return to the ring. A few between two would be excellent introduction to Heel Riddle, and the story particularly writes itself. Looking at the bigger picture, Riddle could then, ch could then challenge for the World Heavyweight title and potentially win it. So, after reading what uh, Wrestling Republic said about um, Randy Orton returning and possibly Riddle turning heel at that point, I can honestly see it, even though a lot of people want Randy Orton to turn on Hill instead of like the opposite of, of Riddle turning on Randy Orton. But either way, either way at this point, I feel like right now, and I mean right right now, that it should be it should be Matt Riddle turning heel on Randy Orton. Because Randy Orton Obviously, especially with that lower back pain that that happened since uh, when B the Bloodline put his ass through a goddamn table at rest at a at a episode on SmackDown after they lost the uh, Raw tag team titles, it's only a matter of time before Randy Orton's gone again. But and this time he's never coming back, and he fully retires. So for them to to um have a heel, sorry, for them to have a um a rivalry match. With Riddle, but with Matt Riddle being the heel and Randy Orton being the face, I definitely could see that because this can like spark up a lot of stuff with Riddle, especially going on to the future. It can help Riddle select, like uh, solidify him as a top guy when that time comes. Because obviously, we've seen him as United States Championship in the past during the Thunderdome, and we've seen this man, you know, as a great Raw Tag Team Champion. Especially with the RKO, sorry, the RKO legend himself, the legend killer himself, Randy Goddamn Orton. So, there's only time will tell when say when they will say, uh, say or switch Riddle from being a face to a heel. Because if he's 
there's so much magic that this man has put on, especially with Raynorn by his side, especially when he uh, faced the Gunther. Another one is when he defending the uh, Raw Tag Team titles in a triple threat match between him, between them, the Street Profits, and um, uh, Alpha Academy. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot to take in because this dude is fire as hell, especially with their match with the Usos on it, like on Friday Night SmackDown for the to be undisputed tag team titles, title holder, title holders. That was a fire match. Oh God, that was a fire fucking match. So you can see with just some stuff, Riddle can hold his own in the ring. Especially, I forgot the one match that's probably the best in my opinion. That fight pit match. That fight pit match when it was Seth Rollins and Riddle, and when when Riddle came up on top and beat Seth Rollins, bro, you cannot tell me that fight that fight pit match was not fire, bro. That fight pit match was flames. You cannot tell me otherwise. Riddle has the ability to become a great goddamn star, man, especially a great heel. If he, if he's that good in the ring, especially with his mis, with, with his mixed martial art background, oh yeah, he can be a great goddamn heel and definitely a great world champion at that. Will I say he'll be a very long world champion? Probably not. Probably nothing like Roman. Probably nothing like Bianca. Probably nothing even like Gunther. But I know that this man will have great memorable matches. You know, to the point we can be like, oh yeah, bro. Like I like Riddle as a heel. He, you know, even though he never had the longest run. But his run as a heel was actually really good. And he had a really good, you know, he had really good title defenses as well, too. Like, you can say that about Riddle, and it's going to happen because he has all the things to become a great heel. Will WWE push him to be a heel right now? Probably not. Probably not because you already have the Bloodline storyline that's happening. You have Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits that desperately are changing. But for the better, and their and their changes are really good right now. You have the Judgment Day being the top the top faction on NXT and on Raw, and you also have you know LA Knight as a face. I mean, not really as a heel, but more like a face right now. And then there's like so much people from heel the face that are good at what they do, because we know how Sheamus is as a heel, and we already know how he is as a face. Right now, right now, he's a really great face than a heel. Some people are better at heels than faces. Some people are better at faces than heels. It's just how you book him, how you, you know, how his promos goes, what he says that makes him be like solidifies him. Like, it's, bro, yeah, I can take this man seriously. This dude's not only a really great face, but he's also a really good heel. He's very entertaining. Obviously, you know, Austin Theory's not on this board because he's garbage at like basically every single column, but. At the same time, if you had, like, heel riddle versus face theory, bro, I would go after heel riddle all goddamn day. Riddle is just that dude. Like, stop. Like, I know a lot of people are not sleeping on riddle, but there's people that are sleeping on riddle. Stop sleeping on this man. Stop sleeping on this man. He brings everything to the table to become a great superstar. And... Time is just ticking on when that will happen. Time is just ticking on when they feel like changing this man and put him in as a heel. Because I would love to see Matt Ritter as a heel. He he desperately should need a heel role. Because it's his home. We don't know when the Randy Owens come back. We really don't. P- 
people are a lot, a lot of people are saying he might come back at Royal Rumble next year. A lot of people are saying that he might come back at the Elimination Chamber. And also a lot of people are saying that he might come back even at WrestleMania 40 next year. So there's only a matter of time what you can do with it. But if you are, if you are gonna have this man come back at the Royal Rumble and everything and reunite on an episode of like a Raw or SmackDown, or like just have him debut at like the Royal Rumble, you can have this real quick. If you if real if real Hiddle was a thing, if real sorry, if heel riddle was a thing, can't even get my words out. You have obviously Riddle in the ring. Obviously, he comes in. And then you have Randy Orton returning. Randy Orton returns, right? And he greets Riddle. And then Riddle. And then and then basically you have, you know, a brief, a brief like, you know, yeah, like I miss you, man, blah, blah, blah. And then you have Randy Orton turn on Riddle in the ring. You hit him with the RKO, right? And then right when Randy Orton is about to eliminate Riddle, Riddle like does the switcheroo and eliminates Randy Orton. And then Randy Orton gets furious and pissed as hell. And then next, you know, that sparks up, you know, that sparks up a thing with Riddle. And obviously after a while, Randy Orton's there on the outside. He's fucking pissed as hell. And then Randy Orton drags Riddle out the, uh, like out the ring off the top rope. And they just, just start go brawling at it. And they just go like just crazy ass brawl. And then bam, you set up for three other like premium like premium live events from there on out. So you have obviously Elimination Chamber, and then you got WrestleMania, and maybe you could stretch it to WrestleMania Backlash. Simple. Or you could have this man come back at Survivor Series and then have this have them fight between Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and then their last match be at WrestleMania. Either way, I want to see like a heel riddle. It's time. It's about that time for them to switch, switch the things with Riddle, make him a heel, but probably make him a heel when Randy Orton comes back. That makes a lot more sense when Randy Orton is here than him coming back, being a heel and someone generic, and it just does it doesn't really make sense. But like I said, in my opinion, if you're gonna do it right with Matt Riddle, have Matt Riddle turn. When Randy Orton comes back and he's completely healthy and medical cleared for WWE. That's all you have to do. But I'm definitely 100% looking forward to whenever he'll, uh, whenever Riddle turns heel. I'm looking forward to what WWE hat will bring to the table when he turns heel. What, how he will book him. Like what title opportunities he has. But till then, man, we just got we just to wait and see. We definitely got to wait and see. Uh, what WWE decides to do, how they will do it, and, you know, if they can do it well. All right, so I have been reading stuff that um, that I'm kind of confused about, but I feel like it's going to happen sooner than, than later than we expect it to be. Um, well, if, you, if you've been watching SmackDown, if you, ha- if you did watch SmackDown last week, um, Last week, sat, uh, what's say Saturday? Last week, Friday, uh, Edge did cut a promo of all like him saying of how uh, all the time, like out the years of how he's been in WWE, what he's done, you know, his injury and his, you know, his climb back to where he is, you know, where he is now. And obviously, he has a 25th anniversary coming up this this week on Friday Night SmackDown. 
in Toronto, Canada. And obviously, Seamus came out. Obviously, because Edge did talk about Seamus, uh, saying that even though we were we worked together for a long for a long time, and we are best friends in real life, like we never had a match together. And you know, they find and finally after a long time, they finally made it official and had Seamus go against the Radar Superstar Edge himself. For the first time ever, which I don't know why WWE never thought of putting Edge versus Sheamus to, like, at all. That would have been a great match, you know, way back when, even the PG era. But um, all I know is that from a lot, what a lot of people saying from off of social media, from Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, that this might, this may very well be Edge's last match. And we we all know that we love to, we want Edge to retire on the grandest stage of them all, which is Wrestle is WrestleMania or the second most viewed pay per view of all time, SummerSlam, one of the two. But there's an article from uh, Ringside News about Edge might retire for real after uh, that SmackDown match in Toronto, Canada, this coming um this coming Friday night, and it does, the article does say. Edge's return to WWE a few years ago was something that many fans did not did not think was possible. Now it appears that he might be uh, he might be wrapping things up for good once again. Sheamus and Edge are set to have a match in Toronto next week on SmackDown, which is this coming week on Friday Night SmackDown. The Rated R superstar even showed up on on Calgary last week on SmackDown to hype up his match and explain why it was so special for him to wrestle Sheamus. During Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer stated that Edge might retire after his match in Toronto. That was the plan, and now it appears that now it appears the opportunity is there for Edge to hang up his boots as he as he wants to. He said there was there's a big thing there's a big thing here. A year ago, Edge had said he was going to retire at 2023 Summer Show in Toronto. And Ron Hitch, what's it, Hitch's son, who is Edge's trainer, has also known Edge for 30 years. He's basically said that this is Edge's last match. They certainly did not build it up like that. But that was interesting, but that was interesting where, he's, where he said it was probably the most likely Edge lasts match. I think the idea was Edge, sorry, I think the idea was that Edge thought that maybe SummerSlam was going to be in Toronto and was hoping for that. And then, and then that would be able, and then that would be where he would retire because he wants to retire in Toronto. And this is the year he was talking about retiring for real, the second retirement. This is his last Toronto show for a while. And I mean, there's, there'll be another one. So I don't know if this is the retirement. They're not billing it as much, but his trainer said that it's probably his last match. We'll have to see what Edge decides to do. Obviously, he could keep wrestling for WWE, but he also wants to end things on his terms around around this time. That is something he does not. Sorry, that is something he does not get to do during his first retirement. Now we will have to wait and see if the 25-year celebration for Edge might be a swam as well. Also, if he wrestles Sheamus on the way out, he could also be a, appropriate because the Celtic because the Celtic Warrior is the man to convince Edge that he could have another run in WWE. So, obviously, I would love to see, um, I would love to see 
edge go on forever and ever. But, you know, when the body says you can't do it, the body says, you know, you can't do it no more. And obviously, I'm going to take the time out to talk about Edge's accomplishments from where he started to to where he is right now in the WWE about to fight Sheamus on this week coming episode of Friday Night SmackDown. And Edge has done it all. I mean, Edge has simply done it all in WWE, man. And he's loved. He was he was basically good at being a heel. So I remember he had fused with John Cena. He had fused with he, he became uh, rated RKO back in uh, I think the early two thousands. Like he had so much memorable matches. I know he had you know him returning at the Royal Rumble in twenty twenty. Like like Edge is the rated R superstar for a reason, man. I love Edge. I love what he's done. There's 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 nobody like him, bro. Like he was a seven time world heavyweight champion. He's a four he's a four time WWE champion. He's a five time Intercontinental champion. He's a one time United States champion. He is a fourteen time tag team champion. He had one with Rey Mysterio, two with Chris Jericho, seven with Christian. Two with Chris Benoit, rest in peace. One with Hulk Hogan and one with the legend killer himself to form the greatest or one of the greatest tag teams of all time, rated RKO. He did one the Men's Royal Rumble twice, one in 2010 and one in 2021. He won King of the Ring back in 01. He won Money in the Bank back in 05. He had the Bragging Rice Trophy in twenty in uh in twenty ten, the Gold Rush Tournament in 05. He was a Championship Chase Tournament winner in 08. He became a Grand Slam champion, a triple crown a triple crown champion. He's a hall. He's a he he got inducted into the Hall of Fame in round in uh in twenty twelve, and he's a four time Slammy winner. One in twenty ten, two in twenty twenty uh two in twenty twenty, and one in two thousand eight. So. Like I said, he had he has done a lot of stuff, and I mean a lot of stuff throughout WWE, man. When his first retirement came, I wasn't. Whew, that was that was hard. His early retirement, when because he had so much neck injuries, especially the first one that made him go into like one of the hardest decisions of all time, seeing Edge leave for almost ten plus years, um, or sorry, for almost ten years, I should say, and. And now, be like him in 2020, being back at the Royal Rumble in amazing shape, like, like chiseled, like what eight pack. He has studs the long hair. I also see the gray hair because that's you know that's Edge. But dude was in amazing physique, bro. Amazing physique, and all the fans. As soon as you hear, you think you know me, and then everybody was just singing his song, yelling. You know, happy that Edge has returned. <laughs> it's it's been crazy. It's literally been a crazy ride for Edge too. And I know that obviously he didn't win the Royal Rumble when he came back in 2020, but it was it was the happiest smile of my life to see one of our loved heroes, one of the loved heels, the loved heroes. The guy has that been in this business since the night, like late 1990s, 
It's insane, man. I mean, it's honestly insane. And I love to see that Edge was back around that time. And after that, he left again for a small injury because he had a feud with uh with Randy Orton, his radar RKO buddy. Um, then that then that happened in co- then uh, COVID hit, and then they had a match at WrestleMania, and then they had um I think it was a, a last man standing match at WrestleMania, and then when it was done uh when it was a performance center, and then they had a match at Backlash which was the greatest match ever. And I think that was, I think that was a um, false count anywhere type match. Um, but after a while, we didn't see Edge for that time. So I think he got a little bit of an injury. Then he left and then the Thunderdome was built again. That's when Edge came back and, you know, the open opportunist version of him came out again. He won the Royal Rumble back in 2021 uh, of Thunderdome era, and then faced on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 38, along with Daniel Bryan, started himself into the mix as well, too. Become a triple threat match. He did not win that match, though, with the help of, obviously, um, of uh, Jey Uso interfering and everything. But I know, but after a while, the, you know, they had some, he had some great matches on TV, and I mean some really great matches on TV. Um, and then I know that he faced Rowan Reigns at, at Money in the Bank at 2021, 2021 Money in the Bank. He did lose though. He was close to winning, but he did lose though. He did lose that match. And then after that, uh, we seen something with, after a while, we seen something with, uh, Edge basically giving a promo about WrestleMania 38. And he had a match with um, AJ Styles at WrestleMania 38. And then two, then quote, unquote, later, formed the Judgment Day on his own with Damian Priest and with Rhea Ripley. The Judgment Day was born. And that was the leader of the Judgment Day until he got kicked out of his own faction. And then he spent months and months and months trying to take down a faction that he built on his own with no help. And you already know how this rest of the story goes. Obviously, he had it's this drawn out from I think WrestleMania 38 to WrestleMania 39. This has drawn out for a good goddamn year. Him, like I think him um, from him from WrestleMania 38 to um, a little bit. I think a little bit before uh, SummerSlam is when. Is obviously when he was in the faction, and then after a while, after that, which is like a random episode on Raw, he was kicked out of his own faction with Finn Balor, and taking his place as the leader of uh, of Judgment Day. And then for that time on, from SummerSlam all the way to to WrestleMania 38 earlier, like earlier this year, it's been nothing but. Edge trying to get his get back at the Judgment Day for for kicking it out of his own faction and everything. And obviously Dominic Mysterio was involved too, you know, betrayed uh, Mysterio and Edge after, you know, they both won and beat the Judgment Day. And obviously it was a mission to take down everybody, including Dominic Mysterio, including Finn Balor, 
And it just it just got crazy from there. So it was basically a long, almost a year feud of him of him going one on one with the Judgment Day. And you remember the Extreme Rules match, the I Quit match, the brutal brutal I Quit match that happened, where he literally Rhea Ripley, you know, had to force had to force my boy Edge to say I Quit to Finn Balor, and Rhea Ripley's like, eh, fuck it, and then beep. Chair shot to the face, or chair shot to the back of the head, uh, which which randomly is on my mind now, bro. We need Beth Phoenix to come back to get her ones, bro. With with real Ripley, I would definitely like to see that. But um, but after that, we you know we didn't see Beth Phoenix on on um WWE TV for a minute too, and then fast forward all the way to WrestleMania where they had a Hell in a Cell match. We had Brood Edge versus the Demon Finn Balor. And even though the Demon Finn Balor was about to win, was supposed to win that match, they pulled Audible and had Edge beat Finn Balor, which was a little a little useless in my opinion, but it is what it is. And now we just have Edge just doing random stuff. He's not really be- being put on TV all that often. I mean, yeah, he came back after the WrestleMania thing, but he's not being put on TV all that often now. I mean, he had a little thing where uh, he faced Grayson Waller. Obviously, Grayson Waller did lose his match to Edge, but, you know, he helped Grayson Waller solidify himself onto the SmackDown roster. I know that after a while, they had, uh, you know, they had some stuff with doing a little bit of a Grayson Waller and Edge feud. You know, it didn't really last that long, but it only solidified uh, Grayson Waller big time to you know, be at the point of where he is right now. And now we're on maybe his final match in WWE at, like, for real, for good. Because he did say he wanted to retire in Toronto. He did say he wanted to hang up his boots. Plus, you know, he's getting at that old age, man. The man's probably in his 50s. This dude has to be in his 50s right now. And only time will tell if whether he will, you know, Injure his back, break an arm, injure his leg to the point there's no recovery on it, and he can't wrestle no more, and he has to be forced out of retirement because of it, like because of a wrestling injury. Now we just see this. We just want we just want to see this man be like, you know, thank you for everybody coming out, and this is gonna be my last match. I love everybody that supported me throughout the years, the OG fans, the new fans, the kids, the wives, the husbands, everybody that supported me throughout the years. I love y'all. You know, I'm still going to be around WWE. I'm not going to be wrestling, but I'm still going to be around. Obviously, I'm going to be spending time with my family, my beautiful wife, Beth Phoenix. You know, the glamour's on herself. And, um, but, yeah, that's, that's all I really, really got to say, man. Just, I love y'all, and, you know, thank you. Thank you at the bottom of my heart. Thank you, WWE. Thank you, Triple H. Thank you, you know, the guys in the locker room, Roman, everybody like that. Like, I, I love everybody in this business from the day I from the day I started from the now from me now retiring. I love y'all. I love you what you do, and I and I'm, I appreciate. It. I'm proud of all of, because of the new talent is getting. I see the new talent. They be working their ass off, bro. And from bottom of my heart, again, thank you. And then he walks off. He puts. He hangs up. He takes off his boots in the ring, right? Or yeah, he takes off his he uh, takes off his boots in the ring, or he has, or he has his boots in his hand already. puts him there, puts him uh, in the middle of the ring, puts him uh, put the mic in front of it, and bam, that's 
how he ends his shit with uh that's how Edge ends ends his uh you know his wrestling career. Either he can either lose to Sheamus or he can beat Sheamus. One of the two. Either way, I'll be happy to see this man. Um, basically, happy to see this man retire. Cause the dude's going, like I said, dude's going in old age, man. It's only a matter of time where he can break something or fracture something to the point. He cannot return at all. So just letting y'all know. And I feel like, in a way, it should have been better for him to retire at WrestleMania. Legit retire at WrestleMania next year. Cause that's the only way I feel like anybody should retire is at WrestleMania. Um, just like how, you know, if I say some of the greats like Ric Flair, that's how he retired at um that's how he retired at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. And that that's in my opinion, that's how anybody should go out is retiring at WrestleMania in front of seventy thousand, eighty thousand, ninety thousand, even a hundred thousand fans, man. That that's how you should go out. If even if you win the match, even if you lose the match, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's how you definitely go out and make you know. You know, I've done it all in WWE, and you know it's time for me to hang up my you know my lovable wrestling boots. But um, I am I am kind of upset. I am kind of sad to see that if this is. Truly, Edge's last match. I won't be. I won't cry. No, but I would definitely be really sad to see this man go. Cause you like, like I said, WWE is a big part of my childhood, man. I mean, major, huge part of my childhood. I just never just like you know watched WWE for a couple years and stopped. No, even though the product was garbage at one point, I still watched WWE because I love. I could I love like the people like John Cena, Edge, Undertaker, um, Sheamus, like there's CM Punk. The long goes on and on and on and on. And like I said, I I love Edge. I love the Rated R Superstar. The Rated R Superstar for the bottom of my heart, man. Is would I love to see this man in person? Oh yes, I would love to get an autograph from from the Rated R Superstar himself. You know. You know how happy I'd be if I could see Edge before he retires? Bro, that would be a dream come true to me, man. But even though that's not uh, that's not happening at all in, in any time soon, I will say this. Thank you for Edge for giving us great memories, great matches, great title reigns, but it, like being in great feuds, especially with uh, the legend kid himself, Franny Orton, like especially with great feuds like John Cena. There's like so much people that he's been with down the line and so much stars that he's made happy. He's made cry. He's made mad, sad, everything like that. And your legacy will always live on in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls throughout WWE because we love you. And man, <laughs> we love you. And we want to see you strive at your greatness, even if you're retired and out the ring. But and if this, like I said, if this is Edge's last match, this is going to be something sad. It's going to be hella sad, but it's for the better. It's for the best. We will always love you, Edge. And now coming to the ring, the Rated R Superstar Edge. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about, and the question on everybody's mind is, 
where does the bloodline storyline go from here? Because from what happened on on last week on Friday Night SmackDown, bro, I don't even know what to call that, honestly. Because obviously everybody know what happened at SummerSlam where Jey Uso hit Roman with his own move, the spear, then did a frog splash, then was about to win to become Tribal Chief and the new undisputed Universal Champion. Then out of nowhere, Jimmy Uso super kicked his own brother, dragged his own brother out of the ring, looked at him, super kicked him, threw him back in the ring. Roman Reigns took advantage and beat J and sorry and beat Jay one, two, three. Now fast forwarding to Friday Night SmackDown, where where Jay was pacing himself back and forth, and basically just like Roman was saying, "Bro, I I told you so. You weren't gonna win, like at all." And then Jimmy was like coming, interrupting, and then literally Jay said, "I'm about to throw away 37 years of of family of our friendship to and tell me why did you do what you did." Jimmy literally stated, literally clearly stated it out, the reason why I did it, the reason why I betrayed you, because I didn't want you, because I had the fear of you becoming a corrupt, manipulated, twisted person like Roman Reigns. And I don't want that for you. You my brother, you my blood, I love you. I don't want you to go in the same weird type transition like this dude did. Nah. And, like, you see how Roman is. You see how he treated us. You think I want the same outcome for you? No. You my brother. You my blood. I did what I did because I love you. And then Jay would, obviously, Jay didn't want to hear it. Jay literally just turned his back on his own brother. He turned his back on Jimmy. Jimmy's like, bruh. And he walked out. He looked at him and didn't even... Every soon, as soon as Jimmy turned to him, he like Jay said, just look the other way. He didn't want, he didn't want nothing to do with him. And then you see Roman in the background laughing, like, "Bro, I told you. What did I say? I told you so. You stupid. You a hothead." And I'm like, "Bro, this this is this is insane." Because literally, literally, right at the beginning, when when Jimmy, right at the beginning. When when Jimmy was out there, sorry, not Jay, not Jay was out there first, but when Jimmy was out there and Roman was surprised and happy, he was like, man, what do you want? What do you want, like some cars? What do you want, some money? A boat? <laughs> no, 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 matter of fact, a yacht? I got you. And then all that materialistic thing, he's like, I got you, bro. What you want? Jimmy was like, bro, I don't need all that, bro. I don't need any of that. You know, so that's when Jay came out and said what he had to say. And I don't even know what's happening right now. I really don't. And right after that, when Roman's like, bro, you stupid, you a hothead, bro. You, you, bro. And this is why, this is why I've been telling you, bro, over and over. We've been doing this for three years. You should know what to do. Acknowledge me. And then gets kicked, super kicked. Beep. And then that solo comes in. So Solo comes in and obviously he gets his butt super kicked too. Well, he was about to do a Samoan spike on Jay. He misses and Jay Uso super kicks this man. And then Roman hits hits uh, hits Jay with a Superman punch, right? But it's set up. And then 
right after that, he hits uh right when he was about to set up, he missed, hit like, and then just boop, spear by Jay. And then Jay, and then Jay was like to Jimmy, he was like, hey, yo, Jimmy, come on, bro. Hey, yo, Jimmy. Jimmy was he was he was a little like Jimmy looked like he was about to get hugged by Jay, like squash this, put this over. Nah, Jay says super kick dip and just knocked them out. Just, just knocked them out. And <laughs> I was like, when I saw Jimmy knocked out, I'm like, yeah, Jimmy, you you deserve that. You 100 percent deserve what you just what you did at SummerSlam, bro. Like, oh God. And then right, he said he looked at the crowd. He literally said, hey, 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 I'm out of the bloodline. Hey, who's, I'm out of SmackDown. Hey, hey, I'm out of WWE. Deuces, ooses. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? Wait, I, I mean, I know that you out, you know, you y'all the bloodline. We all know, but you you out of WWE? And this this got everybody thinking and confused because we like, bro, wait, did did Jay Uso say he's out of WWE? And he literally left the he literally left through the crowd out and out the and out the arena. And I'm like, wait, so this is how we end SmackDown? This man is legit leaving WWE? And then a couple days later, maybe like Monday, like, um, like it was it was here sometime on the weekend or sometime on Monday, they like WWE went on out and put and put Jay Uso on the Illumini page of the of you know of WWE. And he was like, yeah, and they set him up to have him quit WWE, and I was like, yo, this ain't real. Obviously, it's not real, but to a lot of people that don't know what's going on, this is probably legit real to them, and it's like, you know, obviously, he's not, obviously, he's still on the roster, but what I've heard is, um, after the whole thing with Jimmy Uso literally costing Jay Uso the match at SummerSlam, I heard that he was supposed to be at Backlash and literally face Jim uh to literally face his own brother Jimmy Uso um one on one in a match. And now that he said he's out and he's done with WWE, he's done with the bloodline, he, he's done, you know, he's done with the whole company and said deuces on the camera. Uh and he's not really advertised for neither um payback or but he is but I've heard he is still on Fastlane, which is weird. So I don't know what they're gonna do with that, but if they're if they're not gonna have nothing, and I mean nothing, because they're because the bloodline is not gonna be on nest on this week's coming on on SmackDown or probably the next couple weeks at that. So, and on top of that, Roman is not even scheduled on the next couple pay per views as Payback, Fastlane, and maybe even Crown Jewel and Survivor Series, and that's gonna be kind of hard because without your top guy. In the WWE, it's like, and also Jimmy and Jay to probably carry on that feud, that small little feud, you know, that's with, uh, you know, a bloodline storyline within the bloodline storyline. It's going to make it more confusing because it's like, okay, we were planning on seeing Jimmy and Jay for the next three pay-per-views, the next three PLEs, and they're not probably going to be on either of PLEs. So what's the point right now? It's just kind of confusing. And I was confused too because... Everybody wanted. Everybody was saying, "Okay, we're gonna see Jimmy and Jay feud at Payback, and then we're probably gonna see that Fastlane. Maybe probably gonna see it at Crown Jewel, or or maybe and you know going over to next year's WrestleMania." But they didn't even do any of that. 
they're basically stretching this out to they're stretching this out for their first feud or their first match at WrestleMania 40 of next year, which it's it's hard because you already pulled the trigger. You already pulled the trigger of Jimmy Uso betraying his own brother Jay Uso. So for you to not have advertise anything advertised at anymore with them being in the picture and for them to be having their first match all the way at WrestleMania, it, it kind of makes you complicate, guys, because now you gotta figure out, you know, what, you know, who can we fill in, in this space for all these months, all these couple of months ahead of time till, you know, Roman comes back so he can face Cody, till Jimmy and Jay comes back so they can have their feud at WrestleMania. Like, I mean, yeah, I know they're doing something right now with uh, the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley, you know, a potential Hurt Business 2.0 or a new other faction name, but, and LA Knight is going to do his thing on SmackDown and, you know, do a little thing with SmackDown and also doing a little thing with Raw because he's, you know, he's in a little feud with, uh, with The Miz right now, but, you know, with, with, because that's like the main thing that's driving sales in WWE right now is the whole bloodline storyline, the whole downfall with, you know, Roman, the whole thing with Solo and Jimmy and Jay. So that's the one thing that's mostly carrying SmackDown. Without that, and if you don't do a good job booking the rest of the people, like, you know, Street Profits and and um, Bobby Lashley and L.A. Knight and Sheamus and Edge and all those other people, it's going to make the product look lackluster. It is. And I, I love Roman, don't get me wrong, but his, like I said, and I've been saying, I'm going to keep saying this for a long time, you should have dropped them titles at, at WrestleMania because it would have made sense for the whole storyline for them to go on and, you know, you know, have them still have their SummerSlam side, you know, the SummerSlam match, but their main event match would be to become Tribal Chief, not for the titles. So... I so I don't know what what's gonna happen here. I really don't know what's gonna happen at all. And I obviously there is like I said, there is no follow up on this coming Friday night on SmackDown because there's literally reports like there are reports saying that Roman Reigns nor any Bloodline member is set to appear on the August 18th edition of SmackDown, likely meaning that the Bloodline storyline will have no progression for that week unless it's a pre-recorded clip. Which you're probably not even going to get a pre-recorded clip if you're now thinking about it, because quote unquote they say Roman is injured when he's te- when if he is then I hope he gets you know goes into speed recovery. But if he ain't if he and if he ain't in one and he's just doing like a work you know a work type injury, then it's it's just not going to look good at all. And then like Solo literally said and on a, like I think on like a Twitter post he said like yo we don't need you. But sooner or later, you're going to have Solo turning on Roman. Very soon. We still don't know when. But we all know that it's going to come sooner than later. And at this point, about what's happening with the storyline, you need Rikishi in this, man. Because Rikishi should be talking to Roman. Rikishi should be talking all to his three sons, Solo, Jimmy, and Jay. Because this is getting a little bit out of hand right now. Because don't get me wrong, I love I love Usos. I love Solo. I love Rome. I love the entire bloodline. I just don't like Paul Heyman. I don't like the dude. Even though he's gonna be the, going down as the best, um, you know, as one of the best advocates or the best managers of all time in WWE, it's just that Paul likes to start some shit. He likes to start some shit that doesn't, you know, that he doesn't want to finish. And to get Rikishi in the mix will only make the storyline a lot better. 
because, you know, obviously that's his sons. He loves them to death. Rikishi adding some flame to the storyline would make the storyline a lot bigger and better. And one, you can add some realism to it and you can, you know, let them wrestle, you know, and have maybe Rikishi be a special referee between both of them. And don't get me wrong. This will be like a fire match on the grandest stage of Malala at WrestleMania. It would be. But to stretch it out from a little, from literally a week after SummerSlam to next year's WrestleMania, that is a long time. Seriously, that is a long time. That's like, what, seven months of no bloodline, maybe? Going up to that point? That's a long time to stretch. To stretch to somebody to be like, you know what? Even though we're not going to have no bloodline, we're going to find someone to replace them. I mean, yeah, you you have you have the Judgment Day. Yes, you have you know the new faction between the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley. Yes, you have LWO. You have stuff like you have LA Knight. You have them. Yes, you have people like that. But there's but a lot of people when they tune the Friday Night SmackDown, they tune in to the Bloodline. That's what they tune into, and it's gonna be hard for people. To tune into that now, you know, because a lot of them are just interested in the bloodline. That's it. So there's there's a lot of ways they can do this. And I mean, there's 100% a lot of ways that you can, you know, make, you know, try to tease and, you know, fire up this match between um, Jimmy and Jay all the way to WrestleMania or the fast lane because... He's probably going to be gone for a month and then come back. We don't know. But if you, like, if if you're going to have WWE do this and do it correctly, I 100% would say if you, since you have Jay now out, he said he quit WWE's out, you probably, to elevate the story a lot more, they should have Jay, you know, wrestle on some independent teams. Obviously, not like AEW because, you know, they hate. They don't like AEW with with everything because they're literally in a battle with them. But have him wrestle on some independent scenes. Have him wrestle on maybe GCW, Evolve, Ring of Honor, uh, NWA, Impact Wrestling, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Do some stuff like that like and make it like still in the story mode-wise for WWE and make it, you know... Like people be like, wait, is that is that Jay Uso on GCW? Wait, is that Jay Uso on Ring of Honor? Is that Jay Uso on New Japan Pro Wrestling? Like stuff like that, and then you have him build a character on why he's you know on on why he's doing all to all. So like, I can't even talk. Why he's literally on these other wrestling promotions instead of wrestling on WWE. And what's the background story besides him leaving WWE after what Jimmy did to him? Like, there should be some reasoning behind it. There should be, you know, some thought putting into it. There should be a lot of stuff be put into this. Because I, for one, love if that story, if the Bloodline storyline went to that route. And have him maybe get some experience and some from experience from some indie, from big indie wrestlers, right? And maybe take some advice from some big indie wrestlers that was in that is in WWE right now, like one of them being 
AJ Styles. He was in the independent scene for a long time. So, you know, and then he came back to WWE. So there's a there's a lot of things you can do. You can even even go to uh like stuff like Impact. You can even go to stuff like um like GCW, Evolve. Like there's a lot of wrestling promotions out there, you know, that you can wrestle in, you know, still be it still be a work type um a work type storyline or work type wrestling, but it, it in my opinion it will work and you can have them you can have them like after a while maybe after six and a half months of being on the independent scene you can have them come back uh a little bit before WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia and then you know his music hits everybody's be like yo it's Jey so we love you bro where you been at and I'm like and then he cut his promo he's like I remember when I said I was out of WWE. I said I quit WWE. I'm back now. Um, I was gone for a minute. I was doing some thinking, some reflecting, and thinking on what to do, how I process this, how I process this. And, you know, and I said, Jay, he's not, sorry, not Jay. He says, Jimmy, I'm coming for you. But in the only way that we know how to wrestle, how we fight, a Samoan street fight at Wrestlemania. Obviously, Jimmy answers. He said he accepts, you know, maybe like a week later or two weeks later before um, Wrestlemania, the re- like, and the match is official. And then, bam, there you go. A Samoan street fight. Obviously, no disqualifications, no countouts. Only, only thing to win is pinfall or submission. And there you go. There's, there's like you know a, a match that we could definitely see brother versus brother. That would be the best match you probably see on that WrestleMania card, depending on who else is um, you know who else is on that card besides Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns for the undisputed Universe Championship. But we we don't know. We don't know when it comes to that point. All I know is that with this you know probably seven month hiatus, maybe six and a half months, maybe six months hiatus. You can do a lot with this. You can do a lot with this storyline, especially with Roman not going to be on, you know, SmackDown for some time. So it's all about the way they book it. It's all about the thought of how they put it. It's the, it, all, it thinks about the thinking of how they book this on how they're going to do it right. But, you know, it's WWE. You know, it, it, you, you know, there's a lot of stuff to put into, you know, in perspective with. And working with other big companies like Ring of Honor and stuff, you know, it's going to be a lot hard because why Vince is still in the stupid company. If Vince was completely out of the company, like completely retired and never came back, then yeah, you could you could have done that. You could put him in other independent scenes for maybe like a good four to five months and just have him bouncing around from wrestling scene to wrestling scene. And then come back with all this knowledge and face his brother. You could do that. But like I said, it just depends on how... WD tries to book them and use them, like, obviously, when they come back and what they can do in the meantime till, you know, Roman and, you know, Jay and Jimmy and Solo is back along with Paul. But, um, like I said, the, the Bloodline storyline is crazy right now. It's super, it's super insane. I'm excited of what's in store to come in the future of the Bloodline. I know it's it's gonna be a crazy uphill and downhill battle. It's gonna be just crazy going up and down, up and down. 
So we don't know what's going to happen. All I know, I'm here. I'm excited for it. I love what I'm seeing on um, WWE TV, and we'll see what happens coming, you know, later on in these next couple weeks, maybe next couple months of us, Friday Night SmackDown. But anyway, that's it for today's, guys. Thank you for everybody chilling with me, vibing me, kicking it with me. Uh, listen to what I got to say, especially with the whole bloodline thing that's going on right now. Jimmy, the whole Jimmy and Jay situation, the whole thing with uh, what's happening with the Judgment Day, with um, LWO. There's, there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of good, neat, cool stuff that's happening in WWE right now. A lot of them is crazy. A lot of them is for the better. Some of them is for the worse. But at the same time, I love what I do. I love what I talk about to y'all each and every week. I love giving y'all, you know, in my mind, my opinions, my thoughts about certain topics, what I feel for this, what I feel for that, and just, you know, having y'all enjoying what I be talking about on a daily, on sorry, on a weekly basis. But this is your boy Antoine TV2, the host of Organized Mess. You can follow me across all social medias, Antoine TV2, across my YouTube page. Um, you can follow uh, my organ or my uh, podcast channel, Organized Mess, across YouTube and all across of other social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, all that type of stuff. Run up them views, like run up them, um, run up, run up the likes, run up the follows. I love when you know y'all follow me and you know love what I talk about. You know, and I love to hear your thoughts and opinion on stuff that I talk about, and we can have a discussion and everything through the DMs on Instagram or stuff like that. But it's your boy Antoine TV2, host, host, the host of Organized Mess. Hope everybody has a great day. Peace and stay safe out there, y'all.